Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Mm -hmm. Having a disability such as blindness or another can be difficult too. Sometimes it feels like God's not even there. But in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find we are not alone. Hello, Pastor Dave. Well, hi, Cecilia. It's good to see you again. And you too. Uh, it's good to be back. It is. And it we're is. glad every one of our listeners are back too. We wouldn't want to be without you. Yeah. So we're continuing to talk about the book of Job. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry. Let me get to that in a minute. Um, just to get a running start in where we're going today, I thought it would maybe be good to... Um, uh, do we have a time machine? Can we go back in time? Uh, let me see. Time machine. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's go back to uh, lesson 38 to something that was said in reference to Job and his friends. They were of the belief, as so many people are then and today, if we give God our first food, if we worship him, if we have him first, then God is like that soda machine we put in the quarters, you punch mm -hmm. the button, then he'll give the can of soda. He'll give the blessings. And if the blessings aren't there, therefore you have to conclude you didn't, Put in the 50 cents, you didn't push the button. Uh, the whole thing, remember we talked about this a week or two ago, about if you have enough faith, then you will be healed. And that's just not the way it works. Correct. But that's how we often view life, especially when it comes to our circumstances. Because we tie the circumstances greatly to God. Now, it is absolutely true. When we do pray... no. Let's rephrase it. It is absolutely true. When our barns are full, it's because God gave it. Mm -hmm. But that's true whether you are a saint or a sinner. There's a Bible verse in Matthew chapter 5. God sends the rain and the sunshine on the just and the unjust alike. It isn't dependent upon what we do for him. He just is fair and gives it to us all. But we too often want to connect our earthly circumstances to the causality of the if-then dilemma. Mm. That's what Job's friend was doing. All right, Pastor Dave. I heard that hesitation the minute I mentioned the uh, name Job. Yeah. And uh, you said, oh boy, and then you, you jumped away from that really fast. Yeah. Uh-oh, he's squirming again. Yeah. Well, you know, this book is rather long, rather complicated, and... But you're a pastor. Well... Yeah. And so you know but, everything about the Bible and and 
And and you can oh, answer. Oh, shut up. Because well, okay. <laughs> if I don't say it about me to you, my wife will kill me when she... <laughs> yes, and she does listen. Yeah, she does. I don't know everything as a pastor. And i be honest, I was really struggling with this book of Job. I mean, sure, I got the basic knowledge. The guy's suffering, he's hurting, he's graveling and uh, scraping his skin. And his wife muttered at him. And, and then and these friends, friends came and... and and they did uh, some weird theology. But at that point, then, it's like, well, okay, I know it's at the end. And But so you know what I did? I called one of my professors, Professor Rowall. He was so wonderful. He helped me actually with my, uh, uh, my master's thesis. And I remember him alluding to Job uh, in, in that whole discussion. My master's was uh, the work of people, who, the work of the church with people who are blind. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 in part of it, I point out several things of how the church hasn't done well, and maybe we have some poor theology when it comes to blindness. Yes. And uh, he said, good point, and reminded him some of Job, and, and I tucked that away. Yeah, that, that whole idea of the church is partly why we have this podcast. And, right, right, right. And, and the whole idea of suffering. Some people think that... that um, 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 God is punishing us because of some sin, or that's why we suffer, or why oh, do yeah. we suffer? And, well, so I called him up, and I said, could you help? And he was excited to hear about the podcast and what we're doing. And so I had several sessions with him about mm-hmm. Job, and I, I hope that here in the next little bit I can unpack some of that. But I'm going to have to warn you, Cecilia, as well as our listeners, one of the things he told me was, he teaches a whole class at this, at the seminary. On Job? On Job. Yep. And, and a class lasts how many weeks? Oh, ten. Wow. For ten weeks, um, three hours a week, if not more. Oh, dear. And he said he barely scratches the surface. And so it is a, a, a very interesting thing. So hang on, and I'll do the best I can. <laughs> One of the things I learned from my professor is that not all of the book of Job was written at the same time. Wait, wait, wait. But uh-huh. the, the notes and even in the, the, the commentaries that we had and such, which are mm-hmm. pretty good commentaries, mm-hmm. said that it was written at the time of Genesis. Chapter 1, 2, and the last handful of verses of 42. Yep. Most modern-day theologians do hold that that those early um, writings were carried down, chapters 1, 2, and the last few verses. But rest of it, let's just say a little bit of chapter 2, but mostly chapter 3 through 41, was written much later. Oh, wait, how do they know that? After the time of Solomon. After the time of Solomon? Wow. Yep. But how do they know? couple reasons, and we're going to get into that as we do the show today, mm-hmm. but one, and this is why we did the, um, um, uh, the, the time machine going back to our last lesson of how these friends, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. were giving bad theology, the if, 
then, therefore. therefore yes. mm-hmm. A lot of the book of Job was meant to be uh, a, a re- refutation of that thinking process because a lot of people use Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes in this very way. Almost as a formula for how they should live. Exactly. And so Job was meant to say, no, no, no. That's not what life's all about. How better than a man who is suffering after he was at the heights of great riches and glory, went to the bottom depths of suffering and says, I am righteous. Not that he didn't say he wasn't a sinner, Mm -hmm. but that his heart was righteous because he looked to God, a man of faith. And yet he, his friend said, you must have messed up. And he said, no. What better story to point this out, that that is not the right way. It isn't put 50 cents in God and, and get your uh, riches. Blessings out. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at some more of the things. This is what the professor pointed out that can undermine, no, not undermine, underscore, excuse me, underscore the reality of this very point of what Job is trying to do. When I sat with my professor and as he started to unfold the book of Job's, he first suggested comparing uh, some things from the book of Job to other parts of the Bible. And this will demonstrate why most theologians today believe that a huge amount of Job was written later. The first one he suggested looking at is Psalm 8. And this is a familiar psalm, especially the last verse. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, that's the last verse. But it does set the tone for it all. Here's verse 3 and following. When I consider your heavens, the works of your finger, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you should care for him? When I read that, and, and I, he suggested comparing it to Job 7. Have you read through Job 7? I, I did a while back. I don't get it. Yeah, actually, and there's a verse, uh, verse 17, actually starts with the very words from uh, the part of the verse that you read. So, now again, I just read from Job. No, you just read from Psalms. (laughs) I just read from Psalms, which is, this was written, I believe, by David, Mm -hmm. and uh, so that was uh, much later than when Job lived. Mm -hmm. Now, you're saying you have something that was quoted Well, go ahead and read it from Job. Okay. Job, uh, chapter 7, beginning at verse 17. What is man that you make so much of him, that you give him so much attention, that you examine him every morning and test him every moment? Will you never look away from me or let me alone, even for an instant? Hmm, that is a twist, because the Psalm 8 makes it sound like we are favored and 
special in yeah. God's sight. And like, 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 whoa, look, he made the sun and the moon, and then he gave us charge over that, the, uh-huh. the earth. Job is saying totally the opposite. Why are you picking on me, Lord? You're testing me every moment. You won't leave me alone. Actually, if you want a real read, uh, I'm not suggesting you do that, Cecilia, now, but if you as a reader uh, want to, and we could send it to you on email. I don't want to take the time. All of seven. Oh, my gosh. He really laments on all of his agonies, laying down in bed looking for rest, and he doesn't get any. It really sounds like he's... Um, Pretty miserable. More than that. More than that. So it is a a, a, a twist off of Psalm Eight. Hmm. Another comparison that uh, Professor Rowell suggested is uh, Psalm one thirty nine. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Uh, yeah, it's a very familiar one. Uh, I'll read some of the verses here, starting at uh, uh, verse one. Uh, it says, "O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit." And when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. They really, those first two verses are really emphasizing God knows everything. Nothing. Every Everyone. person. This person. And then he goes on to even emphasize that with verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my dwelling in the depths, you are there. If I, um, if I rise on the wing of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea... Mm. Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. This is really a comfort that yes. no matter where we are, God is always present. That's why we, this ministry is called You're Not Alone. Mm-hmm. God is presence, present with us. So, the, my professor said, read this, so mm-hmm. we did, and now compare that to... Uh, that would be parts of Job 23. Go ahead. I'll start with verse 3. Uh, Job is talking here again. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. And then he talks about how he would state his case and he would argue his case. And then we move to verse 8. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. Hmm. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And then I'm moving to verse 16. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced by the darkness, 
by the thick darkness that covers my face. Hmm. And it, at one point in uh, in your Psalm one thirty nine, it talks about the darkness, uh, the, the darkness that you know even the darkness can't hide us from God. God makes the darkness light, which would be a wonderful thing to talk about someday as, as people who are blind, because there is some wonderful thoughts there. But sticking to it, and that's just a, a little uh, hint, hint, mm-hmm. but sticking with what we have here, it is really, I, I can see what he means. Uh, Job turned this upside down. This comforting psalm, Job has no comfort whatsoever. And the po- he can't find God. Because he can't find God. Can't find God. Where are you, God? Is almost the cry of Job. That's another thing the professor pointed out, that that Job is really, the whole book is talking about, where are you, God? Which is almost the same as, who are you, God? Because if God is everywhere, and he is almighty and holy, well, if that's who he is, then where is he? Or where is he if that's who he is? Interesting questions. Set up by the the dynamic that Job says, because he's trusting in God, he's clean. Even as it said, uh, what you read there, if you test my heart, it'll be gold. And yet, he can't find God. And he's terrified. Which really, and I appreciate what Professor Wall said, because this really does set it in position. If you take the Psalm uh, 139, God's my comfort, he's always there, at my right hand, uh, um, uh, where can I go? But yet sometimes we feel so alone, so empty, like God isn't there. And that's the experience that is being produced with the book of Job. Um, literally, the story of chapter 1, 2, and the last little bit were very old, before Moses. Everybody knew that and took comfort from it. But then as these other writings came forth, my professor pointed out, and people would take comfort, but then they'd feel empty and alone and abandoned, and people would question, well, I, I, I am doing good, I'm following the Lord, I'm trusting Him, and yet I'm feel empty and alone. Why? Where are you, God? And so then came the pen for these verses of Job, chapter 3 through 41. confused about something still. Did the psalm writer copy Job's writer, or did Job's writer copy the psalm writer? The book of Psalms was written, and then the sections we're looking at in Job, 3 through 41, were written after the psalm writer. Wait, so the psalms were written first? Yes. And yet, there are in Job, it says, what is man? Uh-huh. Whereas the psalm said, what is man? Uh-huh. Uh, 
so was was the psalm writer uh, the psalm writer was first and the and and as people read this and heard this they were again they were frustrated by okay if god is with me if god is here if god is everywhere then why am i suffering where are you job the writer of Job here picks up the pen to try to answer that question because too many people were thinking of that magical blessing. Put in your coins of goodness and God will spit out of the dispenser his blessings. And it doesn't work that way. We both know that. And so Job was writing to explain how a good and righteous man can suffer and and this is always a premise of the Bible, and is true, God is almighty, God is holy, and God is just. <laughs> if God is all those three things, and I am righteous and just, then why am I suffering? Where are you? Well, I didn't move. God moved. That's kind of what Job is, this part of Job is challenging. Okay. So I'm hearing you say, though, you're questioning and waffling, Job was written in two different time periods? Is that what you're struggling at? Somewhat, although I understand mm-hmm. that someone could be inspired to um, to write what happened with Job and his friends and right. whatever. Just like Moses, uh, we know, did write um, ex, uh, Exodus, Genesis. Leviticus, but he wasn't born in Genesis. But he was inspired to do it. So he wrote about a time he didn't know. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. But... Then these passages twenty three through forty one were there really did Job really say these things? Were there really the actual man Job? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, Though he could have been saying something very similar, and and the writer here had the luxury of 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 doing the poetic language. And that's so different from chapters 1, 2, and to the end. That's another reason we realize this is a different part of it, because it's so poetic. It's a different style of writing. And he was able to put this down in eloquent ways to answer our questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. But the Bible says, or we believe, that the Bible is, as, as we say... Mm-hmm. The inerrant, that mm-hmm. means it's without mistakes, infallible. No uh, faults, no no, faults, no problems. Inspired. Breathed in by God. Word of God. Uh-huh. And so it would seem that one should say, well, if, if the Bible says that Job said this or Job said that, that we must believe that Job actually spoke these words. Yet you're saying that that might not be the case. I am saying that. That is correct. And there's other examples of that, too. Um, I don't want to get into such a too big of a dispute, but the book of Revelation, are we really going to have a dragon flying overhead? Are we going to have four colored uh, horses? Uh. Most people understand a lot of this as imagery pointing to other things, especially the dragon. That's the devil. Mm -hmm. So we understand. Now, it's not literal. Now how we're going to interpret rest of it, I'm going to leave that up for a different time. But you can see it's not literalistic. I'm going to read this and boom, that's what it is. No. What you're saying then is that Scripture must interpret Scripture. 
that as well as another, and this really gets into a, a wonderful thing, hermeneutics it's called. Mm-hmm. It's we talked the, about it once uh, way back at the beginning. Yeah. It's how do we understand the context and the framework. And this is why there's theologians and pastors who are full-time at this. Because to just sit down and read the Bible, it's confusing, especially in our Western world when we're reading Eastern world thought. Don't we say in our introduction... Reading the Bible can be difficult, <laughs> we not do. to mention understanding it. Yep. Well, here it is. And so pastors and theologians have that time, that energy, that work, that blessing by God to do this, to help unfold it for others. That's why Bible study is so important. <laughs> The next thing that my professor, Professor Rowald, noted was chapters 29, 30, and 31 is a summary for Job. Chapter 29 is a a look back. He says, oh, in the day. This is before he was all sick. And just to give you a sampling of it, start at verse 15. Read like three, four verses there. Okay. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. I thought, I will die in my own house, my days as numerous as the grains of sand. So again, Job is thinking about the day when when all was good and right in his life. And he, at that time, just like this time, we'll get to that in a second, he's a righteous man. Everything was good. In chapter 30, Job is noting where his present circumstances are. (laughs) I love verse 11. Now that God has unstrung my bow and afflicted me. (laughs) Uh, If you've ever done archery, if you don't have that bow strung, it can't do a thing. And and so that's how he's describing his life. Read, uh, here's another good example, 15 and 16 verses. Terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away as by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. And now my life ebbs away. Days of suffering grip me. And in all of this, Job still holds to the fact that he is the same man as he was when he was rich and healthy. And so we then move to chapter 31. In this chapter, chapter 31, Job is demanding a date in court with a judge. He wants his, his, his case heard. Why don't you pick up with um, uh, verse 35, Cecilia? All right. Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sign now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Surely I would wear it on my shoulder. I would put it on like a crown. I would give him an account of my every step. Like a prince, I would approach him. 
So here we have Job, so emphatically firm that he has not sinned, that he is righteous. Because of his faith and trust in God, he wants a court date with Almighty God. Because, you say it, but this is really what the professor said, and it really paints the case well. It's almost as though God is demonic and abusive towards him. He's good, he's right, uh, Job. And yet God treats him so terribly. That's why he wants a court date. And that court date will come (laughs) in our next lesson. That's right. So, until then... Don't forget to search us out on Facebook. You can look for Pastor Dave Andrus, A-N-D-R-U-S, or Room 4216. And or you can always write us at info... I-N-F-O. At... Oh, I did that. Mm, yeah. Not dash alone. N-O-T dash A-L-O-N-E. <laughs> dot N-E-T. Until next week, remember, we are not alone. Do come back again to room 4216. Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn are interlude musicians, and our special thanks to Professor Henry Rowald of Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, Missouri, for his invaluable teaching. <laughs>